How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bucks presented by Brewhoop.com, Frank Madden and Eric Name joining you. And uh, it stays like these where I'm glad we do a Bucks centric podcast. It's not, I guess, you know, in the grand scheme of the universe, talking about the Packers is, should be generally a happier topic, especially mm-hmm. over the last, uh, you know, 20 years than talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. But uh, Eric, you just got done report, uh, recording a uh, or producing a packer postgame show and um are are you scarred from the from the process after that titans blowout or or how are you feeling it's actually interesting because so many people have been complaining about things with the packers for so long that the takes really weren't that hot tonight like the hotter takes are (laughs) when things are going a little bit better so then like the fire mccarthy bench rogers takes like those those are all hotter at the time now it's just like okay Maybe maybe that's the new reality, and uh, yeah. So it, it, the the takes weren't as fiery tonight. Uh, more people just kind of accepting that the Packers suck when they're four and five. But you know that's that is that is Packer fandom. So the Bucks have jumped ahead of the Packers in the Wisconsin sports standings. Uh, they still trail the Badgers at eight and two, but the Bucks now five and four. But we we need to get into the good stuff because we talk about the Bucks, and actually there was uh, I'd say a, a very solid. Uh, and, and encouraging win last night against the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, 106-96 at the Bradley Center, snapping that pesky two-game losing streak to the winless Pelicans and Mavericks. So now we can kind of uh, enjoy a game for for a change after a week of uh, of of losses, or you know, short week, I guess it was only two games. But um, the Bucks win, and an interesting game for me because. I got nervous in the second half. It seemed like in the third quarter, the game slowed down a lot. The Grizzlies, I think, got in the penalty pretty early in the third. Um, but the Bucks just sort of held the fort. Um, they were up five at halftime. Should have been more, but they gave up an 8-0 run at the end of the first half. And then in the second half, they were able to kind of grind out a win against a team that uh, has been known to grind out many wins over the last few years. And granted, this probably isn't the, the same team that you know was – regularly winning 50 games and um, being a threat in the playoffs. But um, I don't know, Eric, I thought that was maybe the best win of the season, even though it kind of snuck up on us a little bit and it was slow and a little grindy, but um, a pretty good win. A win that I don't think we've seen them collect yet this year. Um, Some of those other wins were uh, larger blowouts and games where just everything was kind of going right. They were forcing a ton of turnovers and it was at a super fast pace and the Bucks were out and running and just kind of making everything happen and looking like the optimized version of the Bucks. Uh, certainly in that three-game win streak with New Orleans, Indiana, and Sacramento, that was all sorts of turnovers, shooting threes, fast pace. And, I mean, even the Brooklyn game, was that was a fast pace. Um, 
granted, it was kind of ugly because they let Brooklyn stay in that one. But it, Brooklyn seems a little bit more pesky um, than I think a lot of people thought. So that was good to see. Um, but yeah, it was it was a a different win for them this season, if that makes sense. The game was played in a in a very different way. Um, more half court stuff, uh, more just a slower p- uh, pace, like you mentioned. It, it was a different win and an encouraging win because we haven't seen them kind of get one like that all year. Yeah, it was the third slowest game in terms of just pace, um, and it was actually their third best game in terms of their offensive rating. They were at 114, which is terrific. And uh, you know, those are not a combination of of things that you'd expect to see. A game that was pretty slow. Um, a lot of walking it up, um, uh, and and in the second half, I thought the Bucks impressed me because they they didn't fold, you know. And and granted, this isn't you know a great team. Uh, they came into this game uh, four and four, like the Bucks. Uh, they are an interesting team, though I think, because both teams have dramatically increased the number of threes they're shooting this year. Um, and the Grizzlies kind of held to that in this game. They were six of 30 from, from deep, uh, and the Bucks eh, didn't really shoot that many threes, seven out of 18, but they made one more on 12 fewer shots. And obviously, uh, I think if you, you know, do the, 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 the postmortem on this game, that was obviously a, a pretty key difference. The Bucks kind of made, uh, their three pointers, I guess, uh, you know, worth it, uh, versus the Grizzlies just couldn't quite find the range. And, um, I thought in general the Bucks defense, uh, you know, the, the way they kind of scrambled and helped uh, and got back uh, to the weak side and, and found shooters, um, you know, I don't think it was all luck. Uh, obviously, three-point shooting is, is – uh, there is a lot of luck involved. Um, but I thought this game they, they did pretty well, and they were also uh, very good on the defensive glass, which is important, 91% defensive rebound rate, uh, the best mark of the season. Um, that's an area where they have improved notably this year. Not great, but they're at least not terrible. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of players, I guess – you know, we start with the person we usually start with, Giannis Adekumbo, nearly getting uh, a five by five. I guess seven he got it. He almost got a seven by five. Frame. I guess he got it if you include five turnovers and five fouls, but 27 points on just 13 shots. Uh, I think, what, six boards, six assists, four steals, four blocks, and uh, just generally uh, it's felt in, in all aspects of the game. Yeah, um, he, he was great. Um, it's, it's interesting to kind of think about him that – there was times where I thought he was out of control. He had a couple ugly turnovers, um, seemed not to be completely in rhythm at times, and at the end of the game, oh, he almost slapped up a 5x5 five five with 27 points. Um, and I kind of talked to a kid about that pregame was – I. We keep saying, well, he hasn't played. He keeps playing games that we don't think are him at his best, and you keep seeing numbers that are quite impressive. Um, so it, it is really a compliment to him that he's at that level now, where even when there are nights where he does look bad and he does have five turnovers, that he can still impact a game uh, so tremendously. Uh, he, he is undoubtedly a star and it's been quite interesting to kind of see him blossom into that and uh it's it's something (laughs) um and i guess the other guy i was thinking about that night was 
at least to me it felt significant, was Jabari Parker. And, again, you look at his stat line, only 16 points, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, he goes over four from three, five of 16 from the field. He, he kept attacking the rack in the second half and not getting calls, and he was visibly frustrated and letting his shoulders slump down a little bit and, and things that you would get frustrated with, but – I was happy with it because when I when I watched him play, it was seeing him continue to, to attack despite not getting calls. And even bigger than that was he missed his first two threes in roughly the first, I think it was six to seven minutes, and he shot two more after that. And that I think that's the biggest thing with him is when things aren't going right, will he continue to remain aggressive, both attacking the rim and stepping into shots aggressively and he did that on Saturday night and and to me that's that's a, an exciting uh thing to see and maybe a next step for him cuz I, I think there's been times where we've seen him miss a few shots early and then he's kind of out of it for the rest of the game or he doesn't get a few calls and then maybe he's not attacking the rest of the game or even worse he's not attacking in control the rest of the game he's just bowling over guys and getting offensive fouls and and that didn't happen on Saturday night uh so so to me that was that was really encouraging to see. Yeah, twenty-one free throws between or twenty-one free throw attempts between Giannis and Jabari. Uh, Jabari six of eight could have, you know, probably should have been uh, four to six more uh, free throw attempts based on some of the calls he wasn't getting. Um, and I, I love the you. fact that he was. Uh, yeah, and I love the fact that he was barking at the refs after some of those non-calls. Jason Kidd was, you know, having let's just say uh, long uh, discussions spirited, with the refs, spirited, discussion. spirited discussions with the refs uh, during some of the TV timeouts. Um, and I thought that generally was uh, was a good thing to see. I was, you know, kind of hoping the kid would get a tech after one of them just to be like, "Hey, what the?" I think know, he was trying. I think he was trying. Um, that, I think that's you know that that's you know part of the process and uh, as you said also Jabari showing that quick trigger uh, looking for threes when when he's you know especially in the corners um, and I was joking how he went from you know being hesitant to shoot threes to not hesitating to almost rushing them up especially from the corners <laughs> um, but I'll uh, I'll take it and I think you know it's something that um, you know is, is definitely part of the process for him um, I think a couple other guys um, I think a couple other positions of of note um you know one uh to finish on Giannis I thought Giannis had the ball a lot more tonight we talked about and you wrote about Delhi having the ball probably a lot more than we expected or might even possibly maybe more than made sense um the other day and tonight um you know his assists were way down but two assists no turnovers which is important um and Giannis had the ball a lot more and you know I'm not saying that that's why the Bucks were you know super efficient but um I think certainly getting Giannis the ball is is a positive thing and it felt like more of a uh, uh, you know, uh, distribution of, of ball handling that I, I think I liked at least. And again, maybe I'm selfishly just, you know, wanting the ball in Giannis's hands it, all the time. No, it, um, it was more Giannis centric. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, interesting off the bench. Um, the last couple of games, Mirza Talatovic has barely played, which Ooh. is kind of funny because he had the seven of eight game. Then he had, I think, uh, the next game he hit like three more threes. And then the last two games, he's barely played. Uh, and Michael Beasley has been the first forward off the bench. And last night, that was a very good thing because Michael Beasley played really well. Uh, six of eight from the field, hit his only three, six of seven from the line, 19 points in 19 minutes. Um, you know, I think the the concern that I always have about Beasley is, you know, okay, he, he'll, you know he can get buckets, um, but is he going to actually help you outscore the other guys when, when he's on the court? And yeah. he's still, you know, one of the 
worst guys on the team in terms of sort of like the net on off rating. Um, but he has shown the ability to be that spark. I think he did it in Dallas as well and then didn't play in the second half. And so, um, got to give him a hat tip for, uh, playing well last night. He was plus six and I thought gave them a real nice spark, um, off the bench. And, uh, you know, I think that's important. I think the weird thing though is Toledovich playing five minutes. Uh, and I think that's partly why, you know, again, the Bucks have not shot a lot of threes the past couple of games is, uh, when you put in, and are playing Beasley a lot more than Toledovich, you're not going to shoot as many threes. And um, I don't know what's behind that. Um, if they feel like, you know, I don't know if Toledovich is too immobile defensively or something. Cause um, you know, I mean, he's going to make threes. I don't think really there's much question about that, but it's a little bit of a strange uh, development. And certainly I'd, I'd hope that Toledovich uh, still gets some good run just because of the way he compliments uh, the other guys on this team. I've been, uh, some, some of my friends are more casual Bucks fans and, They'll mention watching games and then mention the bench and be like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like, I saw Rashad Vaughn play one game and then I didn't I didn't see him the other night. And then, like, Jason Terry played a bunch and he's like – and sometimes I see Toledovich, but then sometimes Beasley's in there. He's like, what, what's the deal with uh, – what's the deal with that, like, bench? And I just said, I don't know. Like, they don't – the with that bench, there's not – there's not defined elite bench guys within there. There's just a mob of guys that might be okay. And well, I'd say Monroe is Monroe oh, is sure, sure. pretty elite as far as that. But other than Sorry. that, I mean, Brogdon's been good. Brogdon and Monroe are basically the only guys who you feel like you know are going to play a set number of minutes. And then the other guys, it seems like it's more of a, a push and pull. Who's getting more and who's getting less, right? Yeah, and I guess it's just kind of strange not to see – I mean – it's still early in the season. We haven't even played 10 games yet, so you'll see that start to or, – or we should start to see that maybe filter out a little bit. But Kidd, his whole, his whole coaching career is kind of like to have a deep rotation, 10 for sure and sometimes 11, and that's kind of where we are right now. So I don't know. It's just I, – I guess the big thing in these last couple of games was Beasley – has played well in his first uh, his first stint off the bench, um, and in the previous two games he didn't get to see the third quarter, um, and then on Saturday night he got to see the third quarter and he performed well. So um, I, I think that was big. Also, no one on the Bucks could stop Vince Carter on Saturday night, whether it was the starters <laughs> or the bench. Yeah. Um, I, Giannis had him for a while, and I don't. I guess he just didn't really respect Vince Carter because um, he didn't seem interested in covering him, and really no one on the team did. Uh, so I guess if that's going to be the case, then, yeah, let's go trade some baskets and get Michael Beasley in the game. But uh, it, it, the I I really hope there's not a, a dichotomy there that either Beasley plays or Toledovich plays. That would be really – that would be upsetting because if we're talking about roles that should be defined – Toledovich for about 20 minutes a night should be defined to me. If you really are prioritizing shooting threes, and the last two games, it's only been 18. Um, if you are prioritizing shooting more threes, Mirza Toledovich in 20 minutes is going to get up five, seven. Like he's going to get threes up if you play him those minutes. And it's just weird to see him not play as much these last two games. Especially because, obviously, I mean, Toledovich is a guy that they prioritized in the summer. And he, I mean, he, maybe he hasn't been, you know, really consistent. Uh, he had the one great game and sort of has been in and out other than that. But, I mean, 
he's played for kid kid knows him they've been they tried to get him multiple times before this so it's a little weird that they would seemingly have kind of a, a short leash with him um for now so anyway worth watching um tony snell picked up the slack a little bit uh, after a couple anonymous games hit three of seven from deep um for nine points as you mentioned jason terry uh, won the coin flip today over Rashad Vaughn, played 22 minutes. If, it, uh, if it's actually every other, Frank, I'm so fascinated by it. It is a little bit weird. Um, I almost would rather, if you're going to do that, I would almost rather play Vaughn at home. I don't. I, I haven't looked at Vaughn's home road splits, but I feel like Vaughn is a guy Ooh, who might yeah. be better at home, you know, whereas Terry, if you, if you think the veteran stuff is important, then put Terry um, on, the, you know, play him more on the road or something like that. Uh, plus at home, if he's on the bench, he can do more cheerleading, which is uh, one of his, his primary skills. Um, but yeah, kind of, uh, kind of a, an interesting game. Probably the other thing that happened, um, which we haven't talked about is the switch in the starting lineup. Miles Plumlee uh, and John Henson sort of swapped roles. Uh, both Ooh, guys played it, it a again. Huge just, impact. And... A huge impact. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it was interesting because Miles Plumlee, despite, I mean, I, I thought Plumley got a little better as the game went on, um, and he somehow ended up a plus 10 despite not taking a single shot and looking He'll pretty rough uh, when he first got in. Um, that's kind of the story of Plumley's season. I'm going to be interested when uh, the first real plus-minus numbers come out for this year because Plumley, I think, is still leading the Bucks in um, net rating. Uh, <laughs> and it'll be interesting because that RPM is based partly on like box score stats, which Plumley's are horrible, and partly yeah. on you know plus-minus and regression and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be it'll be kind of funny to see, he's a see that because it does yeah. feel like Miles Plumley's. Yeah, he's pretty much just getting lucky or something being on the court when the Bucks are playing well. I don't know how much of it is uh, is him. Whereas Henson's been the opposite. He's been a complete train wreck in terms of the net rating. The Bucks have been horrible when he's on the court. And last night, a minus eight, despite the fact that the Bucks started pretty well. So um, interesting for Henson. I don't so, know how that shakes out. But certainly, certainly Plumlee hasn't, like, demand a starting job. So I think it'll be interesting to watch. I, I talked with Alex Boder about this after the game. Um, Alex, who you know well. And... I proposed this, and he was thinking and kind of agreeing with me that we're almost to this point, but Greg's got to start playing 30 minutes a night, and one of those two's got to take a DNP CD, right? I think Monroe has proven it. I mean, he's, he's like, I think he's like 10th in the East in PER. The Bucks have been pretty good defensively when he's on the court, and he's a great passer too. I think offensively, you know, we, we obviously complain that sometimes um, the ball just flows through him too much maybe, but uh, I think his passing uh, has been pretty important um, at times for the Bucks as well. And yeah, they've been good when he's on the court. So he, the fact that he's at 21 minutes a game is, is interesting. Um, and uh, I don't know. We'll see, but I, I didn't ask you about this before, but I saw a comment on Twitter. Someone was at the game saying that, Monroe got into some shouting match with Greg Foster during a timeout or something like that in the third quarter. Did you did you see anything about that? I don't know. Monroe, Monroe seems Monroe's kind of a mild mannered guy, but he's we've had like now these a few times where he's got he got into with Middleton. Now maybe he got into Foster or something like that. I don't know. Greg Greg Monroe maybe not as mild mannered as we thought. Um, I saw the tweet that got directed to me about it. Um, I didn't see anything about it. Um, like I was I didn't pick up on it. Um, I had a couple friends sitting uh, probably like 15 rows up behind the Bucks bench, and neither of them said anything about it. So it, it certainly could have happened, and it probably did. Like, But I think yelling matches happen quite regularly on NBA benches. Like, yeah, and, and Monroe did close the game, so it's not like you know yeah. he – got benched and and uh and then we never saw him again or something like that but uh it, it will, i think it is interesting to watch i mean i think winning is probably helping a lot um i mean i haven't really noticed 
Greg Monroe sulking, um, but obviously I'm not in the locker room. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, they're at five and four now. Um, <laughs> uh, hopefully, they, hopefully they can keep that up. But if Greg Monroe is, you know, not doesn't see that boost in minutes and John Henson and Miles Plumley continue to be super meh yeah. and they continue to eat into his ability to get, you know, 28, 30 minutes, that would be um, that would be very interesting. I, I certainly think, you know, getting Monroe more into that like 25 to 28 minute range is would certainly be deserved right on the merits of, of how they've played. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, so far the defense hasn't been submarining the defense or anything like that. And I think the Bucks are ninth or 10th in defensive rating right now. So, um, and you I, know, uh, easy schedule, but so far so good. And I guess the, the big thing there, to get him to that point, someone's got to take a DNP. Because otherwise, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Because what do you do? Take one of those guys to 20 minutes and the other one down to four? Like, they just get... No, a four-minute no. like stretch in the second quarter. Like one of them has to take a DNP, and obviously we are all well aware of the situation with those three, of the money that's being paid to those three, and of the logjam that exists. And we all knew it coming into the season, and thus far, getting three of them to be productive hasn't really worked. And maybe it will. Like we don't necessarily know that it'll be like this all year, but. The the early results are certainly not encouraging, um, and it certainly seems like Greg's the only one that can kind of manage to to play through that. Uh, I, I guess on top of what you were talking about with Greg uh, the other night in the locker room, I talked to Greg after ooh Thursday night's game, um, and just kind of asked him a little bit about the bench role and how he's feeling and kind of the fact that I'm sure he lo- I'm sure he loves that topic. Oh, he does. Uh, <laughs> But I, I was talking to him about just kind of, hey, you're putting up career-best numbers per minute, per 36, however you want to say it, in every category in that role. Like, do, like that that's, seems significant. I think it's like two times as many assists, and everything is better for him in that role. And obviously, only 21 minutes a night, not great. And we kind of talked about it for a little bit, and he mentioned that he feels a lot better in the defensive scheme, and he feels a lot more comfortable. He's understanding his reads a lot more, understanding where to be, which all makes logical sense when you watch Greg play basketball. And then I asked if, okay, you're only playing 21, 22 minutes a night. Does that mean there isn't a part of the game where maybe you're a little bit tired or maybe your play is declining a little bit that it can only just be full effort exerted and you can go maybe a little bit harder in those 21 minutes. And he just looked at me and he's like, I guess you could say that. Uh, (laughs) So his response would suggest, obviously, uh, Greg doesn't love playing 21 minutes a night, um, which is to be ex- expected. But uh, ju- the way he handled it, uh, I-, I appreciated it. It felt genuine, and we actually had a conversation about it, and he wasn't necessarily prickly about it. Um, obviously not super happy with 21 minutes a game, but uh, it-, it was still pretty productive. So uh, good on him for being nice to me and actually having that conversation. Uh, but at the same time, he's not ha- like he's, who would be happy playing 21 minutes a game when for the most part, you'd have to feel I'm way better than those other two dudes. At least I have been this year. 
and he's at 21 minutes now to play 29 minutes last year before that uh the lowest number he'd ever played or still the lowest number he ever played was as a rookie 28 and kind of was around 31 to 33 uh the rest of his tenure in Detroit so I think it'll be interesting to watch and uh, you know interesting to see if if there is sort of a regression defensively I mean for the Bucks to be 10th in the league in defense is a terrific result I think the schedule has been easy and that's certainly part of the story it'll be interesting to see um Miami, not so much, but but Atlanta and Golden State coming up in the next week. Uh, we'll be interested to see how those numbers change, sort of as we get into, um, you know, maybe some more challenging teams. You know, as we mentioned a bunch of times, fourteen of the first twenty-one are at home. So uh, the schedule, it, it'll take a while for the schedule to to even out a little bit in terms of those home road splits. But at least the competition level will be going up and giving us maybe a better barometer for for how good this team is, how consistent they can be. Um, and I think what we saw on Saturday, you know, we talk about the importance of, of, you know, sort of taking care of business. They didn't do that in the previous two games. Um, and obviously, I think the, the Grizzlies are a team that, you know, hey, if you don't beat the Pelicans at home, you don't beat the Mavericks on the road. Uh, the You know, the, the Grizzlies, however much they may not be what they were, that's still a team that you can easily lose to. And, you know, good good for them playing through, through uh, you know, maybe some some adverse conditions in terms of the pace and um, getting into the Grizzlies game a little bit. But um, they responded well and um, got an important win. So let's leave it there. Uh, we've got a couple off days where we can maybe talk a little bit more about the upcoming schedule and kind of where the Bucks are now. They are one-ninth, roughly, uh, of the way through an NBA season. So, um you know, we're, we're right about we're kind of at that, like, you know, eight, nine game, 10% of the season mark, which I don't know if that really t- tells you all that much, given it's still pretty small. But um, um, I also, I want to say we're going to talk about Malcolm Brogdon because he fascinates me. <laughs> Very good. We can we can talk about Malcolm Brogdon, um, a guy that I think is uh, beginning to turn some heads. Dan Devine from Ball Don't Lie tweeted at me the other day. He was like, every time I turn on the Bucks game, Malcolm Brogdon seems to do something good. Is Is that real or what am i seeing um, <laughs> uh funny you mentioned that i was talking to scott rafferty the other day uh the guy who as i mentioned on friday wrote the awesome piece about jabari's offensive potential and he said the exact same thing when we were talking he's like so every time i watch the bucks i see malcolm brogdon and he appears to be doing things and, and so yes pretty much the exact same thing so we should talk about malcolm this week yeah and so far eight points three assists about 1.3 turnovers 1.3 steals in 21 minutes a game. So he's playing basically the same number of minutes as Greg Monroe. Um, and really, other than the sh- three-point three shooting, um, you know, he hit a, hit a big three last night. He turned down a couple, which made me sad uh, late in the clock and basically kind of caused shot clock violations because of that, uh, but then hit a big one in the fourth quarter. So that was uh, was good to see. Um yeah, let's leave it there for now. We'll be back tomorrow, but uh, for now, I guess I guess it's nice we got a couple of off days after a box win, so we don't have to be super tense and people kind of mellow out, especially <laughs> uh, with that whole Packers situation. So anyway, enjoy the week, and we'll be back very soon, guys. Thanks.